Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and feel, feel my energy. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. You're here with your Shed Adamus, your host, Corey Jackson. Shedheads, I don't know what it is. I don't know, is it because I'm getting ready to have a thunderstorm roll up in my backyard right now? But the energy that's flowing through me right now, the excitement of the week to come, the excitement of this weekend, and what we just experienced has got me on fire. I am on fire right now. And I'm hoping you can feel my energy. I hope you can feel that there is a change coming. Maybe it's that, you, you smell that? That's that finals is right around the corner. And in all the sports that we love, the sports that we're here to talk about, things are coming to fruition. Things are being mapped out. In the NRL, you can say there are six clubs for sure that, that are really going to battle for that championship. You've got a top tier that is unstoppable, I think. And then we have the AFL. The AFL. I think the AFL is setting up to maybe having the most competitive eight teams that we may have seen in the competition in the last 20 years that are getting ready to go into the finals. These bottom four teams that are fighting for the last two spots in the top eight, it is going to be a bloodbath to see who gets into the AFL. So that is some of my excitement. Uh, we've got some incredible matchups for this weekend. We've got a great one tonight uh, that is, or tomorrow morning, however you want to say it. But either way, so instead of watching people getting COVID in Tokyo, tune in to the NRL and to the AFL. Because these are two sports that are trying to do it the right way to keep the competition going. They're being honest. They're being, you know, they're being forward about it. They're letting you know the problems. They're moving all across the country, all across the landscape to keep their players safe and the competition so we can watch Anyway, let's go on to some of the important things. Or as they would say, let's talk about some importance. Let's get some scores here from round 18. And then let's talk about some of the great parts of round 18. First off, starting off the weekend, we have the Eels 26, Titans 8. Once again, Justin Holbrook's boys just are not stepping up. The one team that didn't have to move anywhere get thumped by a team that did. Sea Eagles 32, Dragons 18. I don't know if the Dragons are still at the barbecue, but uh, they sure got handled. And Oh, by the way, a DCE and Tom Travojevic not led Sea Eagles club. Great to see Kieran Ford play the way that we know that Kieran Ford can play and kind of turn back the clock in that match. Roosters 34, Cowboys 18. You know, I'm really hoping that Todd Payton can get the, the Cowboys rolling again. And I think, you know, when he gets Chad Townsend up there next year, uh, you're going to see them do some 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 bigger things. But with the hammer going down with an, with, with, with an appendicitis this week, it's not going to get any better for the Cowboys because he's probably done for the season now. And that was maybe one of the bright spots for North Queensland. Raiders 34, Shockies 18. What can you say about Sticky? He gets those boys up. The green machine is now rolling again. Uh, big match tonight against, like I said earlier, against the Parramatta Eels. And if they can find a way to win this match, and you have to think that they have a good chance with Mitchell Moses being out, uh, Ricky's right back in there. Ricky's right back in the hunt to get the Raiders back into the playoffs. Storm 48, Knights 4. Okay, let's just talk about maybe the most important thing about this match. The Nico Hines Shuey try celebration. My gosh, what can't the guy do, right? He comes in for Pappenhausen, makes us forget about Pappenhausen, and does maybe one of the try celebrations of the year. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a guy that, yeah, okay, you could call me city. I got some country roots. Far from country, though. I'm not milking anybody's cow, okay? But what I'm saying is, I'm also not drinking a beer out of somebody's shoe. But I love to see the shoey. So, 
Great celebration, Nico. Great celebration. Panthers 30, Warriors 16. Now, this match was a lot closer than the score. The, the Warriors really showed that they had a chance to do some things. And we're going to get into this as we go into a, a recap of this round. But a costly match for a, for a gallant Warriors club. Tigers 42, Broncos 24. I know a lot of people are coming out of this match talking about how the Tigers think they might have turned the corner. And I'm going to delve into that here shortly. Because did that really happen, Shedheads? Really? And then finally, Rabbitohs 32, Bulldogs 24. A match that um, was a lot closer than a lot of people thought. But if you talk to a lot of the Rabbitohs players, they really felt that that was going to be a tussle anyway. The Bulldogs give the Rabbitohs fits. They give them trouble. And the Bulldogs were really, were really taking it to them. I'm saying if it wasn't for... Some craziness, and that's where we'll start right now as we go with the breakdown. I just have a question for you, Shedheads. Did anybody know that Lachlan Lewis knew judo? What What was that? Listen, we know Cody Walker can give a sledging, okay? Cody Walker likes to talk a little noise, a little trash. Lockie Lewis, you can see with the smirk the guy always has. Lockie Lewis has no problem with the banter either, Okay. We know that Lockie Lewis, he can he can give a little bit of a an undressing. But did any of us see him doing a judo takedown of Cody Walker? And the funny thing about it is Cody Walker didn't even throw punches when he got tackled. I think Cody Walker was in shock that he just got tackled by Lockie Lewis. You know, everybody came in afterwards. No punches were thrown. But I don't like you know if you listen to a lot of people that have followed the game. I don't know. No one could say if they'd ever seen such a thing ever happen before. And I agree. I I was I was I was caught off guard to say the least. I was caught off guard. I did not see that happening. But it was incredible to see. And once again, why do we watch these games? Because you never know. No matter if a team is wins by two or wins by forty, what could happen through that lifespan of a game cycle. Now, the sad part about that is Lachlan Lewis gets 10, minute, 10 minutes in the bend coming out of the second half and a gallant Bulldogs club that was playing well pretty much was never in the competition after that. They, they fought, they, you know, they, get, they gave everything they could, but they're not going to beat. The Bulldogs as a squad, as a club, are not going to beat a Rapito side, unless everything falls, you know, everything has to fall just right for them for that to happen. And it didn't happen that way. You know, they Lockie Lewis couldn't be off the field. Trent Barrett again at at, at the postgame try, or excuse me, the postgame press conference. I think he's kind of fallen out of, well, you know, what do I even say about this? But a major, major blow that happened in that match wasn't the Lockie Lewis performing a little sweep the leg Daniel son no it was Alex Johnson injuring his hamstring and now being out for two to four weeks now for the Rabbitohs going forward a guy that's leading the competition in tries I think at 24 and he's out now for maybe up to a month because I don't think you know I think everything we know now is that teams give as little information as possible uh, to the media uh, and to, to, to people in the know because they don't want teams to have the upper, ha- upper hand in, in setting things up. So we don't really truthfully know how long Alex Johnson is going to be out for, but we do know it's going to be at least two weeks. And I'm guessing if it is the, if they throw four weeks in there like that, I would expect him to be gone at least four weeks. Um, but we don't know this. But I think that's a huge, a huge, huge thing going forward. And that now, does that mean that Josh Mansour now slides into that spot? A guy that's got some history uh, playing in big games. Does does Wayne Bennett bring him in to fill in the spot for Alex Johnson? But the thing is, here's, here's where we have to be honest. No one, and let me say that again, no one is filling in for Alex Johnson. That guy is playing at a different level right now. So it will be a setback for the Rabbitohs going forward. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, I told you I was going to talk to you a little bit more about the Tigers. Uh, they did smack down the Broncos. They did smack down Brisbane. 
But we have to remember, before everybody gets all excited about the Tigers, you know, hey, we've got a, we've got now a, 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 sit, a, a sitcom on TV. I'm joking. It's not a sitcom. But, you know, I, I guess you would say an inside the NFL type of documentary following the Tigers in the sheds, following the Tigers, putting mics on players. Let's do all of this. Make it, hey, let, let's let Madge look like he's got a heart. We know Madge's got a heart, but let's make Madge. Let's let people feel what Madge is feeling. Okay, that's cute. It's good TV, I guess. People love to watch dating shows. I don't. I really don't care. How many of those people ever get married? You're wasting six weeks of your life. You're wasting 22 weeks of your life. But what I will say is let's keep in mind who the Tigers just beat. The Tigers just beat a Broncos club that can't tackle on the edge. Now, if, if the Tigers go out and beat a Tom Turbo Travojevic, DCE-led Manly club this week, okay, maybe we're talking. But... But Tigers fans getting up or the media, you know, getting behind Madge and saying Madge is still the right man. Look at the teams they beat that they've got their wins from. They're the bottom tier teams. And if they're going to get in the top eight, they've got to beat a top eight club. Manly, everybody says, has the chance to be the Smokey that could sneak in there and be the club that really pushes one of these top four clubs to win the premiership to win the league, to win the flag, to win the championship. So, Wes, now that you got your players mic'd up, Tigers Nation, now that they're going to be, you're going to be able to hear them speak full voice, well, you better be speaking full voice this weekend because Manley and Josh Schuster and all of these boys are coming. So we'll see. Now, Let's talk about the Warriors. Let's talk about the gallantry that they showed. Let's talk about the heart they showed. They were right in that match with the Panthers this weekend. I watched that match. And I really couldn't believe what I was seeing with these guys going down left and right. I've, you know, I've watched Roger Tuivasa-Shek, RTS, since he played back with the Roosters, okay? I've watched him his entire career. And I can't ever remember seeing Roger go down with a head knock injury or an injury that really took him out of the game where he didn't get back up. You know, I've seen him with hamstrings and, and you know, he tore his ACL. But to really think that he, quote-unquote, left a game because of a head injury, um, I have not seen that. And it really caught me off guard seeing RTS go down like that. But it happens in this game. And he's a hard-playing player and and... You know, unfortunately, it's probably going to happen to everybody that plays rugby league. But let's go over what really happened there. They lost Tohu Harris with an ACL. Wade Egan now has been lost with his shoulder. RTS with a concussion. And Rocco Harris with a hamstring. Those are huge players. You, Those aren't guys that you can just, ah, we'll just put anybody in there. And they fought valiantly. They were not going to win that game. Penrith was going to win that game. But you've got to at least have some 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 pistons in the engine that are going to at least bring your car over the over the finish line. They didn't have any subs on the bench because of injury. And they they kept stepping up. They kept stepping up and they kept playing for their fellow man and their fellow brother on the field. Uh, it was very, it was hard to watch because you knew what those guys were putting in and that they weren't going to get that result that they were hoping for, but they didn't quit. And I think going going forward, this is going to be a match that a lot of people are talking about, about how they rallied with one another, how they rallied to save face. And it was, it was something impressive to see. Uh, it was some, something very humbling to see. But I think it brings in that that feeling of, you know, the Warriors are going in the right direction. So that was my kind of takes away, excuse me, my takeaways of the of this last week's competition as I look up at all the scores. Um, you know, I don't think there was anything. I think I think if we look at all the big clubs that were supposed to win, 
One, plain and simple. So I think we're, we're holding serve there. I think that, that this competition is a six-man a six race, six-team race. So going forward, it is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Now let's go into the 40-20. And I think the biggest news to drop from the 40-20 is that Gus is back stateside. Gus Gould has been named as the GM of football for the Canterbury Bulldogs. And I really think the direction the Bulldogs are going, I don't know if Trent Barrett's the answer at coach. I think that they've paid enough money that he's not going anywhere for the for the foreseeable future. But I don't think Trent Barrett's been handled, handed excuse me, a, a, a fair hand to see how good of a coach Trent Barrett really is. But we're going to see that next year because Gus is putting together a club if you look at the signings that they have going forward, and I think just with the mind of having Gus Gould back with a team that he really, really loves in the Bulldogs, I think that they are going to be able to do some some, some good things going forward. Now, if somebody asks you how many years will it take for them to, to put together a full club that actually will be competitive or to get in the top four or to actually be able to really battle for championship. I don't think any of us know that. But I know that with some of the moves they're making going forward and with Gus at the helm, I really think that the Bulldogs are closer to being back into competition to be in the top eight than they are from staying down at the bottom by every means. So it is going to be uh, very interesting, very compelling going forward to see what Gus does and the moves Gus can make. Uh, and one of the things that shows you know, that he's right in this is that they went right out the day that was named Tavita Bank, excuse me, Tavita Pangai Jr. signs from 22 going forward to stay, or excuse me, to come from Brisbane to come to the Bulldogs. And that's a huge signing. And I think with the right type of coaching, right type of leadership in front of him, you know, this guy is a beast. Tavita Pangai Jr., is a guy that a lot of clubs wanted to get the signature of. I know the Tigers are in it, um, but he can do some pretty incredible things if he's got the right type of foundation around him. Now, the crazy thing about this, the signing of Tavita Bangai Jr. for next season is it looks like it's about ready to come down the pipe that he's going to sign for the rest of the season to play with the Penrith Panthers at the foot of the Blue Mountains. Because, because James Fisher Harris is out for the foreseeable future because his wife is about ready to have a baby. So, again, the Panthers making smart plays. Get a guy like Tavita Pangai Jr. Get a guy that's going to fill in a huge, huge key space for them. You know, they got Jerome Luai looking like he's going to be back this week as well. But you're just looking at a team that's been making right move after right move after right move. And if you can bring that guy on the short, short term, like it looks like it's going down, they are not going to miss a beat. And I think Tavita Pangai Jr. is going to take a lot out of this run with the Penrith Panthers about looking what it what what it is needed to happen and what you need to do to win. And I think if you talk to a lot of athletes that, that get put into winning organizations, it's a mindset, right? It's, it, it is... The ability to think and to be able to control yourself and to go forward and to and to learn how to win and win the right way. The way to, things to eat, the way to treat your body, the way to recover, the way to sleep, all of that stuff. And I think Tavita Pangai Jr. is going to pick a lot of that stuff up if he gets to the Panthers like it looks like he's going to. And again, brilliant for Gus to let this happen as well. Because it lets Tavita Pangai be around a winning culture and let him bring that to your club in 2022. So big move there in a couple different places. But you have to think all positives going forward for the Bulldogs. The only thing that could make this not a good thing is if Tavita, is if Tavita gets injured with his run with the Panthers. Now, we also found out that Mitchell Moses, within the 10-minute mark of Origin 3, got back fractures with a hit that they've now pinpointed to a crushing tackle that he received. 
Now, a lot of people, myself included, I questioned why Mitchell Moses wasn't running. I didn't go with like a lot of people and saying, ah, Mitchell Moses is a bust. You know, that Mitchell Moses, he just can't be a winner. But I thought it was strange that Mitchell Moses didn't try to take the line on at all. And that he kind of was pretty quiet for a Mitchell Moses, for especially where he's at in his career right now. And now it comes out that he had back fractures. And it also comes out now that he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Now, there has been talk that he's he's farther along than we think that he is. He's actually lifting weights, quote-unquote, doing that type of stuff. But Mitchell Moses is huge. And he's a big, big part of that Parameda club, that Parameda spine, and what Parameda wants to do going forward and, and, and how they're going to challenge in the back half of this season about winning their first championship for quite a long time. Now, we don't know. We don't know if they're happy with, you know, what they have right now going forward. We know that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dylan Brown's back. But the question to me is how long he's out and if the Eels look at bringing in Anthony Milford for a short-term contract. Now, we know the MILF, he could play as the 14, or, you know, you could put him in the halves for as long as Mitchell Moses is out. But I, I think that it looks like Anthony Milford is maybe leaning more to not trying to come down there, which is kind of strange, because this would be, to me, a better chance to show teams that you still got that it compared to playing reserve grade or, you know, just practicing with, with your club. That gets you back out in the limelight. And it also gives you a chance to be with a club that is actually probably playing for something, unlike the Broncos right now. So we'll have to see where that happens. And we know coming by by, by the by the next episode of Outside the Sheds, well, a lot of this stuff will be cleaned up, you know, cleared up, and, and we'll be able to see what's going forward with this club and with the MILF and, and with all of this. But uh, that is a huge setback. And, and we're going to really have to see, and I think it's going to be put on full display tonight with this, this matchup with, with the Raiders and how the Eagles handle the absence of Mitchell. Uh, and so it's going to be fun. I, it's a match that I'm going to be really keyed in on and, and really excited to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm all in. I am all in. Now, good news on the injury front. Ryan Pappenhausen, who we haven't seen in two months, Looks like he's going to be on the bench tonight, or excuse me, not tonight, but on the bench for Melbourne this weekend for the Storm, and I think that's exciting. We all know, you guys know, uh, Shedheads, how much I love watching Ryan Pappenhausen play the game, but I will tell you, since Pappenhausen's been out, it's helped me fall in love with another player and his game in Nico Hines. Now, the, for me, the question is, going forward with the Melbourne Storm, is how do you get both of these playmakers on the field at the same time? Because if I think to win a championship, and we already see that the Storm are rolling, okay? They, they're they right now the team to beat in the competition. And you got to think going forward, they're going to be that way too. Because if, you know, when Nathan Cleary comes back, he's not going to have any match experience. He's not going to, you know, we know that he's an elite athlete. But it still makes a difference in being able to play contact and play um, match speed. And do they have enough to try to catch up to the Melbourne Storm that are flowing down the track, okay? And, and getting further distance between them and their competition. But I think you have to, if you're bellyache, find a way to have both of these guys on your side. Because I think when Nico Hines goes up to the Sharks next season, uh, Craig Fitzgibbon is looking at putting him in the halves somehow. We know Sean Johnson won't be there. We know that Matt Moylan so far hasn't been fully axed in the for the future of the Sharks. But really, I, are you going to try to tell me that a beat-up, uh, broken-down, especially in his hamstrings, Matt Moylan can keep up with a Nico Hines? I don't think so. So we know that he's probably going to be played in the Habs going forward. But where do you slot Nico Hines and Ryan Pappenhausen into your starting side going forward for Bellyache? And I think that's the big question. I think that is what we need to see going forward. But if they can get this to work, can you, can you fathom 
them adding Pappenhausen with Nico Hines right now, how Nico Hines is playing. Let me put it this way. Every coach wish they had what Craig Bellamy has right now. Let me just say that. That's all. We'll end it with that. But every coach wishes they had the problem, the dilemma of where do I play Nico Hines and Ryan Pappenhausen? Shucks. Shucky darn. What do I do? What do I do? Now, one story that's breaking this week that I I think has a lot of people uh, shed heads very confused with is we've talked for numerous amounts of weeks on Outside the Sheds about my feeling that Luke Brooks isn't the Habs, uh, that you know that the 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 halfback of the future for the Tigers going forward. As I stammer and go along there, I've said that that the Jackson Hastings coming in is the future going forward for the Tigers. That he brings a winning pedigree, a will, winning, excuse me, a winning element, and that I think he's just he can do some pretty special things for the Tigers. Uh, maybe not next season, but I think two years from now. But I've always said that I think Luke Brooks's time is up with the Tigers. And I always said that I think that could probably be good for Luke Brooks as well to getting to a new place, right? Getting Listening to a new voice, putting on a new jersey, different expectation, blah, blah, blah. Well, it comes out that Luke Brooks and Moses Mbai had been offered up to the Canberra Raiders this week. For a couple players, one of them, Jack Whiten, for it was you know one of the players in in talks. And the big thing that's funny about this is when the Raiders who took the phone call heard that that Jack Whiten was one of the players they were asking for in this swap, they pretty much hung the phone up in the Tigers' face. And. That really is quite, that, 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 that's very fascinating if you ask me. You know, there's so much fluff and smoke and we've, you know, how many times have we talked about this where they said, no, he's going nowhere. He is our halfback of the future, blah, 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 blah. And I've always said that that was, that was a joke. I've always said that that wasn't real, what the Tigers were allegedly saying. But for a straight out and out swap like that, that makes you wonder what's really going on behind the scenes. And if the Tigers have really come into that feeling that, you know, this guy just isn't the guy going forward. And right now, the Tigers have kind of fallen back in love after Adam Dewey had a great, great showing uh, this weekend for the Tigers, even though, let's remember, asterisk against the Broncos. But putting Adam Dewey with Jackson Hastings in your in your spine, in the halves, with Dane Laurie back at fullback, to me, that's kind of enticing a little bit. Now, we also have to have Adam Dewey fire out on all cylinders like he did against the Broncos against the big top eight clubs as well. And we need to see that before we say that this is a for sure, that's what we need to do. But Adam Dewey does show a lot of potential. I, I still am the guy that thinks that Adam Dewey's a center. I think that he does a lot in the centers. Um, but that is my and, and let me tell you something. I'm pretty confident in my beliefs, Shedheads. I'm pretty smart that I kind of know how the has pairing should look for clubs, and I and I stand by my my feelings, my gut feeling on situations. But we'll have to see going forward what happens with Madge. And I think this is a big weekend. I know a lot of people thought last weekend was a big weekend for the Tigers, but it was still the Broncos. And it, and and if you look at where the two teams are on the ladder. The Tigers are supposed to win that game. Now what has to happen is the Tigers have to win games that on paper they are not supposed to win. Because they are not getting into the top eight unless they beat a couple clubs that they shouldn't beat. And they better start this week with the Sea Eagles or this thing. All the momentum that quote-unquote was was picked up disappears again. And more pressure's back on Madge. And you can have any as many documentaries as you want to uh, and it's not going to make things look any better. So let's go into round 19, Shedheads. Let's talk about some of these upcoming matches. You saw your Shedded Damas. I hope hope you guys aren't paying, you know, spending all of your winnings in one place because we saw we went six for eight this last week. You guys do the mathematic percentages on that. Uh, but I hope that college tuition fund for your children is coming along quite well because these picks are flowing. Flowing. 
Did I say flowing? Flowing. Anyway, so let's go in around 19. And let's go over some of these matches. This game is on TV tonight or this morning, however you want to say it. But the Thursday night clash between the Raiders and the Eels. Without Mitchell Moses, Shedheads, to me, this is a no-brainer. I'm, I'm sticking with Ricky and the boys. I'm going Raiders beating the Eels tonight or this morning. Friday, Knights at Roosters, Storm at Cowboys. Both of these matches are on ESPN. See, what am I saying ESPN? Fox Sports 2, FS2 this weekend. Back-to-back, back-to-back matches. I've got the Roosters over the Knights, and I have the Storm over the Cowboys. Saturday, we start off Warriors at Rabbitohs. Well, come on. I'm going Bunnies. The, the, the Warriors are too beat up. They're just too beat up. Then we have the match that I just talked about, Tigers at the Seagulls. And I am not drinking that Kool-Aid. I'm going Seagulls all the way on this. I think the Seagulls will go out to make a statement. Both Trebojevic brothers are back this weekend. or this weekend, So I'm going Seagulls. Then we have the Broncos at the Panthers. I know everybody wants to see Kevy succeed, me included. But with Jerome Luai coming back into the side, I don't see how the Panthers lose that. I've got the Panthers. To me, the toughest match of the round to pick is the Titans at the Dragons. Do Justin's Holbrook boys, does Justin Holbrook's boys show that they want to be on the field or do they show that they're ready to go to, uh, you know, holiday somewhere? Uh, I took the Dragons. Even though I know that they're a great barbecuing team, I still think the Dragons will find a way to beat the Titans. The Titans just haven't shown me anything, um, which really, really upsets me because I did say that they, I thought they were going to be in a, a top eight club this season. And for some reason, things just are not working there for the Titans. But I've got the Dragons. And then Sunday, Sharks at the Bulldogs. Here's where I hit the, the, br- the break to let you fly on by. Uh, I've got the Bulldogs pulling the upset over the Sharks. If you look at their last few matches, the Bulldogs have upset the Sharks. They've made it difficult for the Sharks. And I, for some reason, think that the Doggies are going to upset on Super Sunday the Shockies. So I'm taking the Dogs over the Sharks. Let's go over those winners. I've got the Raiders, Roosters, Storm, Rabbitohs, Sea Eagles, Panthers, Dragons, and Bulldogs for my winners for this week. Now, there goes our rugby league until next week. Let's go into the AFL, and I am getting beyond pumped for the AFL season right now. But unfortunately, my exhilaration and my happiness has to be subdued a little bit. Because to me, the biggest news story coming out of this season, besides COVID making teams turn into gypsy organizations, is the loss of Dustin Martin for the Richmond Tigers. Uh, I don't know if you saw it this weekend. It didn't look like the biggest hit, but I think what it shows is it doesn't have to be the biggest hit. It just has to be a hit in the wrong or in the worst spot on the body. Because Dustin Martin received a lacerated kidney from that um, collision at midfield. Which means, what that means for the Tigers is that Dustin Martin cannot participate in contact-oriented drills or training for three months. So Dusty's done for the season. Now, what I think this sets up for everybody to see is we already know that Richmond's a great great club, right? History, uh, you know, won three out of the four last, last premierships and flags. To me, if Richmond finds a way to win the premiership, to win the flag this year. It will be one of the greatest team accomplishments we've seen for a very, very, very long time in in the AFL. Now that takes a lot because right now they are not even in the top eight. They are in ninth. Now they have the same amount of points, but because of head-to-heads and the powers that be and the numbers, blah, 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 they are not in the eight. I still say that they're going to make it in the eight. I still say they're going to go on a run. And if you want more proof of that, let's talk about our match of the round. 
My match of the round, like you remember, was Richmond at Brisbane. And the Tigers found a way to win this and to win by 20. I was kind of, I was very, very impressed. The Tigers came back from a six-point halftime deficit, which I think shows a lot of character. Like, we've seen the Tigers come back. We've seen them, uh, how should I say, pull victory out of of the jaws of defeat. And in his 300th game, Jack Rehold did Jack Rewald things. He had six goals and a match-winning performance for him. And I think when you watch a guy like Jack in back-to-back huge weekends for him from, you know, his 300th game uh, and, and, and just the way that he has been playing, Kachi, Rewald, and this next guy, Chol. I'm not even going to say Chol. Because if you watch and you follow the great Chol on Instagram, you'll see the magic that is Chol. Because because Chol had four goals. And I think what you got to think about this guy is he's a freak. He, he wants to be his own man. He's funny. But he adds something. He adds a strike to the Tigers that he is going to have to play this way week in and week out to get the money I think he's deserved and that he's earned, but also to stay on the side. But if Chol plays the way that I think he can play, he could be that X factor that helps the Tigers, one, make it into the eight, but also be damaging when he get when they get into the eight. But it will be a very much unique experience for the Tigers and for the Yellow and Black Nation to see how their club goes forward and to show the pedigree of a side they are to try to win without a guy that, you know, it's got more brown lows around his, excuse me, has more uh, medals around his neck for being the man. Let me just put it to you that way. Uh, over the last few seasons, Dustin Martin is a gun. He's maybe the biggest gun in the AFL. And for a club to be able to pick up the pieces and, and the, the, the burning embers to try to get their season to where they need to be, it's going to be some great drama and some great cinema. That, to me, is where the documentary should be. It shouldn't be with the West Tigers. It should be with the Richmond Tigers to see how they try to go on this run. Now, my match of the round. Once again, I hate to say it this way because you guys are going to think I hate America. I don't hate America. I just hate the people that set up the matches for America because we have a number one against number two battle coming up in the AFL this week, and they're showing five matches, I think, I saw. I counted last night or this morning, whatever you want to say. Who, who's keeping time? What I'm saying is we, for some reason, the powers that be at Fox 1, Fox 2, Fox Universe, Fox Mars, Fox Jupiter, whatever Fox you want to talk about. I don't know how Jeff Bezos couldn't have spent his five minutes floating around in the outer space not finding a way to bring this match to America. But we do not have the Western Bulldogs against the Melbourne Demons on TV this weekend. How do you miss this? Okay, I'm done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rant and roll. But I. I think you got my feeling. Did you get my feeling there? Did you get my gist, Shedheads? Did you feel my freaking animosity right here? It's. A, it's. It, that's almost as, as bad as trying to contact eBay customer service. Figure that out. I can't. But hopefully you can. I can't. But let me take a hold on. Woosa. Okay, I'm back. All right. But this is a one versus two battle. And I think, you know, you've got two sides right now. Yes, they're the top of the heap. But they've been maligned the last five weeks. They've been a roller coaster, both of these clubs. They haven't been on a winning streak like they were to start the season, both of them. So you can't say that both clubs have been dominant. But because of how strong they started their season, they're still sitting top of the heap. But I think the winner of this match that's coming up between the D's and the Dogs is going to set themselves up for, how should I say this, continuing to stay on top of the pile. But I think the loser is going to have to battle. And I don't think the loser is going to fall out of the top four. But I don't think the the loser will be seen as dangerous 
or as much of a threat for the flag as the winner will be. And we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to see. But I think that's how big this match is going to be for the coming future for the rest of the competition going forward. So I cannot wait. I hope you guys can find a way. I guess this is what makes people subscribe excuse me, to channels and to, to services to watch every match and to take the power away from Fox to determine which matches are supposed to be on. But try to find a way to check out the dogs and the Ds. Uh, this one is going to be gold. I, I can't say that enough. I think this game is going to be magic. So that is my match of the round. Now, let's go into the guns for the week. And I'm starting with my number one gun, Jack Rewald, his 300th game. And now he can look back at his 300th game with a smile because Jack did Jack things. Six goals, two behinds, 14 disposals, 13 kicks, seven marks, three tackles, 275 meters gained for the great eight, Jack Rewald. And I love to see players rise to the occasion on big stages and big platforms. The, the Tigers needed Jack to perform. He averages 2.5 goals a match and he had six. You tell me if that's stepping your game up. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. My number two gun, another staple. Wait, wait a second. We got Tiger on Tiger Love right here. Because David Nafaluma is my number two. The top of the heap, David Nafaluma. The man of men, David Nafaluma. Because David Nafaluma with his two tries this weekend in the Tigers' victory over the Brisbane Broncos became your number one try scorer. Passing Chrissy Lawrence. Passing Benji Marshall with the West Tigers. David Nafaluma is now the top of the heap. And not... Anyone is catching him in the foreseeable future. Two tries, 143 running meters, one line break, one two tackle breaks, and four tackles made. And yes, there's been players with a little bit bigger numbers this week, but you can't take away greatness. And for David Nafaluma to put these type of numbers up with the lackluster organization that he's playing for right now in the Tigers, you know, he was supposed to look like he was supposed to have Aaron Woods and Teddy Tedesco and Mitchell Moses and Kevin Nagama and all of these these players. When it looked like a few seasons ago, this young Tigers team was going to be dynamic. Boom, gone. All those guys out of here. Gah! And there's David Nuafaluma, who just keeps, keeps playing, keeps putting tries down, and does it with a smile on his face and with pride of the jersey that he's playing in. So that is why David Nafaluma is my number two gun of the week. Now, this man right now, my number three gun. He probably could have been number one if it wasn't for these other two blokes. Nico Hines. The man that's going to push Ryan Pappenhausen for that number one jersey. One try. Eight for eight on conversions. 226 running meters. One line break. Three line break assists, two try assists, four tackle breaks, five tackles made, and 89 kicking meters. That's ticking every box. And one shoey try celebration. Are you kidding? There hasn't, I, I don't know if there's been a player, when you look at those numbers right now, yes, you've heard me sing, and I'm not singing this week. I'm taking the week off. You're not hearing me sing. Not my any songs this week. But listen, Sea Eagles, you can get me back in my <clears throat> pearly pipes ways if you guys handle the Tigers this week. But I'm done with you right now. Nico Hines, that performance, capped off with that try celebration, might be one of the greatest performances we've seen this season already. And we've seen some guys do some magical things. But Nico Hines is revving right now. He's got that Ferrari rolling on about a 4 RPM, 5 RPM. He's purring. He's purring. 
And that's why I'm saying, how can you remove this guy from your side right now? And we know the strike that Ryan Pappenhausen has. But again, look what Nico Hines is doing. So, bellyache, happy I'm not you, my friend, because you've got some work to do to figure out how you're going to keep everybody happy in that stable. So congratulations to the guns. Do what you do. Dominate how you dominate. And be the ball, Danny. Make it happen, boys. So as we go outside the bubble, as we bring this home, we got to start with one place and one place only. The Milwaukee Bucks. Your world champion, Milwaukee Bucks. And even though Milwaukee might have turned into a super spreader event last night, congratulations, Milwaukee. You guys are the champs. And how does a champ celebrate Giannis Antetokounmpo, as I butcher that name again? I'll just say this, Greek freak, you are the man. Because you didn't just score 50 last night in your triumphant victory, becoming a champion, finals MVP. What shows an MVP is to leave the stadium, leave the stadium with the trophy, leave the stadium as the finals MVP, and still find a way to the chicken, the Chick-fil-A drive-thru which I didn't know how the Chick-fil-A drive-thru was still open when you left the stadium. That's fascinating. What time do Chick-fil-A's close in Milwaukee? But, 50-piece nugget deal. That's how you know you're a champion. You score 50, you order 50 nuggets, and they deliver it. Oh, I'm sorry. Plus a half Sprite, half lemonade. Because by God, if you don't like the Chick-fil-A lemonade, you're not a human being. Yes. That is how you do it. And you do it with style, Giannis. You did it with style. You're a world champion. And congratulations to Milwaukee. They won their first championship since 1971. What a great year. But your world champion, Milwaukee Bucks, congratulations. You earned it. Uh, I thought the Suns were going to win that. The Suns look strong. But somehow they couldn't win another game after going up 2-0. But I think that has everything to do with Drew Holiday's defense excuse me, on CP3 and Giannis refusing to lose. And I've been critical of the Greek freak in the past, saying that I, I just think that he, you know, it, it's one thing to be the, the league MVP and not win a championship or make a deep playoff run. But, but Giannis put his stamp on his greatness in the way that he played in the NBA Finals this year. He earned that Greek freak status. He earned that league MVP status. He earned those MVP trophies from before. Because big-time players play on big-time stages, do big-time things. And that's what Giannis did. And it's, it's incredible to watch. I don't care if you don't like the NBA. I don't care if you don't like female softball. I don't care if you don't like... I don't care. When you see greatness happen, you have to make note. You have to say greatness is greatness, and you have to take a hats off. And Giannis, incredible job done. Now, I just wish I had those 50-piece nuggets waiting for me after I finish this episode of Outside the Sheds. Big news happened last night, or this morning, I guess. The U.S. Women's National Team had their 44-game match winning streak snapped, broken, like a board in the Miyagi Dojo by Daniel Sun. Sweden smacking Team USA to start their Olympic run three to nothing. Yes, people, I know some of you say you can't get any type of emotion out of a Swede. Sometimes you have to put a, 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 a mirror underneath their nose to see if they're breathing. Not the most emotional people. I love Sweden. I've been to Sweden. I love Swedes. But wow, 3 nothing, Sweden. Congratulations. And, as, and this is to me what this says to me. I think the U.S. women's national team, these ladies have been on top of the heat for so long. I think they've been sipping their own Kool-Aid for so long that they forgot what grit means. I think that they've been put on such a pedestal for so long and they've just been hearing positive, positive, positive. I think maybe that hunger might not be as strong as it was before. 
Now, we're going to have a chance to see because what do real, real champions do? They get knocked down. They get right back up. So it's going to be fascinating to see what these girls do right now, what this women's national team does. Because Sweden has always been a dangerous and tough team. And they've always been a thorn sometimes in the, the U.S. women's national team. But a 3 nothing victory like that has really bolstered their belief in what they can do. And it's put into question what the women are supposed to do for the Americans and for the USA. So... Big news last night out of the Olympics. Now the question is how long the Olympics continues. But, uh, you know, awesome. There's the drama that we look for in sports. And outside the bubble comes to a, an incredible end as we bring to note and to highlight the beginning and the birth of a baby boy today. Yes, that baby boy is the Seattle Kraken on the NHL. If you hear that crying little child on my shoulder, that fledgling organization is out of the box because as we speak, the Seattle Kraken are making their their choices to put together a roster to come into the NHL next season and to compete in the big boy league that is the National Hockey League. I'm excited. After I get off talking to you, Shedheads, I am going to eat I don't know if I'm going to eat the 50 piece that I want so badly, but I am going to follow up with the Seattle Kraken did and who they chose and who are going to be up there partying with Russell Wilson and the future Seattle Supersonics that will be coming to your town sooner than later. Hint, hint. But that is going to be interesting to watch and I'm excited to see who the Kraken choose and who now will be playing next season in the crack house. But, Shedheads, that brings to a close another stunning and stellar episode of Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your Shed Adamus. I hope you wrote down those picks. I hope you doubled down this week in those picks. I love to see that you guys are able to retire because you just can't stop winning. So, good luck to you. I'm so excited for this weekend, for the sports that are coming up. But until next time, what do I tell you? And you listen strongly. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. And spade and neuter your pets. But we love you. This is Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.